All right, what's up, me Dwelle podcast listeners? Stuart Anderson here with just a short introduction before we get on to our interview with Ventum Bikes and Dianor, the CEO of that company, who shares some incredible information about their history, how Ventum started, uh, how they create, build their bikes, how he creates the culture of that brand, and especially uh, his his culture for his own employees, as he shared a couple times that he doesn't run a bike company. He runs a customer service company that also sells bikes to people. So he is very committed to the experience that our team and, and those that buy Ventum have. So a great hour with him. So thankful for him and the, the Wasatch All Road that they help sponsor and all the bikes that have been sold to the uh, Mijuele team over the last year. Probably close to 30 Ventums on the team that are out on gravel and roads. So uh Big shout out to this brand. Grateful to have them. Uh, big love last night at the kit pickup at Hangar 15. Thankful to Jim Morgan and Scotty Miles who received the yellow jersey. And if you don't know, the yellow jersey in our team is worn by those of this team who are nominated by teammates as the leaders, the leaders, the mentors, mentors, and and those that represent the qualities of this team that should be emulated. So these two men were nominated by their teammates to wear the yellow jersey and represent us out on the road as uh, as basically what we stand for, me duele. So uh, grateful to them, thankful for everybody that picked up their kits and, and we were able to be with last night. Uh, all of our love to you and, and hopefully these last couple weeks of training before the big dance at Lodija go good. We're looking forward to point to point on Saturday, Lodija the next week, and uh, grateful to be a part of those two races. Finally, if you haven't signed up for the Five Canyons event on September 25th, we are all in here. So all five canyons in one day, that's 14,000 vertical feet of climbing. All five canyons starting at Little Cottonwood, Big Cottonwood, Mill Creek, Immigration, and then finishing off at City Creek. So uh, Five Canyons is a, a, an awesome organization that provides uh, charitable funds to um, – charities across utah that help um, with child abuse so this isn't just a, a bike event this is also an opportunity for you to help raise money for an incredible cause inside utah so register for five canyons event and hopefully we can see you there because that's going to be some serious suffering all right on with the podcast uh thanks to everybody all right everybody welcome to uh me Dwelle podcast. So grateful to have everybody on. As you know, we're going to be doing kit pickup tonight. So you'll probably not hear this until a very successful kit pickup. Grateful for everybody. We're going to hand out two new yellow jerseys to teammates. Uh, so it should be a fun night. And then Lodija point to point are coming up. So uh, good luck to everybody racing. Grateful to have uh, our guest on today. And obviously Spence is with me and I'm going to turn the time over to Chip to uh, introduce our prestigious guests today <laughs> yes yeah thank you Stu. thanks so much looking forward to everyone seeing everyone tonight um today very special guest especially very timely guest coming off of the wasatch all road um tonight uh today we have dia nor he is he has co-founded ventum and when I say that, a lot of people get really excited, Dia, because we've got, uh, I'd say, roughly 30 riders currently riding either the GS1 or the NN1. Proud owner. Proud owner. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
uh, Dia, um, he, he had a passion, uh, for this and, and Ventum began as a, as a passion project, seeking to change the bike industry by introducing a new aerodynamic technology and the first triathlon specific bike. And when I say that there are a lot of, um, I would say a handful of triathletes on our team that already knew about Ventum when we were introducing Ventum to Midwelly. Um, so as the CEO of, of Ventum, Dia has grown the business from a humble startup in Miami to its current headquarters here in Utah. Many of you have seen those headquarters of Ventum when you've picked up your, your new rides up in Heber City and where they just hosted the um, Wasatch All Road. He's led the development of the innovative NS1 as well. And we've got some that are ripping on the NS1 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right now, preparing for uh, Logan to Jackson coming up. Oh. Looking forward to talking about that. And then also the recent introduction of the GS1 gravel bike, which we have got, um, <laughs> I would say, close to 20 plus GS1s on the team right now. Yep. Um, so... Uh, want to add this that so Dia has also traveled the world developing and being involved in sport himself. It's fun to meet a CEO that is very involved in his product. Dia's a rider racer himself. He he truly lives and tests the product that his company builds and provides for their athletes around the world, and. So so we have met Dia as our team has become loving customers of, of Ventum bikes and have had the opportunity to really kind of try and true uh, the Ventum product. And, and we've put it through the ringer. We just, nice. um, we had uh, just about, we had a dozen people participate and accomplish and do the full Yeti at the Wasatch nice. All Roads on Saturday um, <laughs> on the GS1. And so Ventum has done also, and we'll get into this, a very good job of equipping our team with yep. this new product during even the pandemic when um, product is hard to get. And, <clears throat> and so we'll get into that as well. So um, welcome today, Dia. Wow. Well, I think we should probably just um, end the podcast here because it's going to go downhill. <laughs> I, I, I can't top that intro. There's nothing I'm going to say today that's going to be better than this intro. So thank you, I guess. Uh, Dia, <laughs> my, Dia my, favorite, my favorite thing, Chip showed me your Instagram page yesterday and we were scrolling through or reading it all. My favorite picture is when you stopped that rider in Little Cottonwood last winter. And it was, oh like, the, it was like the middle of the... And you're like, this guy, we pass him. And I'm like, what is he doing? And then he's on your bike. Oh, you're like, oh, I my God. I could not <laughs> believe it. I mean, let me give you some context, too, on that. We were going up Big Cottonwood because we were going uh, to Snowbird. There was a huge dump coming. And we were worried that the cane would be closed the next morning. So we decided to go a day early so that we could have some fresh powder and not worry about the closed canyon. Like, that's how bad the situation was. And all of a sudden I see this guy on a bike. There's like a foot of snow next to him. I couldn't believe it. And then when I found out he was on a Ventum, I had to stop. I had to stop. So that picture was just the best. <laughs> oh man, nice. man, oh man. Well guys, thank you so much for having me on in all seriousness. And 
well, we value this partnership and I'm excited to, to, to get to know you guys more. I know you, you know, a lot of my, t- my team, specifically Megan has worked with a lot of you guys, but yeah, I haven't had a chance. I did get a chance to, to see a few of you um, over the past weekend at the Wasatch Road. I cheered a few of you on. I know that. Um, but I'm impressed at how organized your team is. Like, that's really, really cool. You know, I mean, a lot of teams uh, try to be organized, but I feel like you guys really nailed it. So, yeah, Thanks. excited to be here. I excited to, to talk all things bikes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, we and we will. We'll get we'll get going with it, Dia. And huh. on on the note that you just made, I would like to make mention that. So, um, I was on the course that day. Um, completed the full Yeti in about nine and a half hours. And throughout the day, I saw Dia in I think three or four different places, <laughs> four if you count the start line. Um, as excited as you guys can see Dia right now on, on this podcast, <laughs> Dia is on, and, and I just want to make, you know, a lot of our members are uh, working big companies, work with um, at a chief officer level. And so everyone understands what I say when your um, executive team embraces what they produce, well, Dia is on the course all over the place. And I'm seeing him <laughs> at the start line halfway through. I'm seeing him at Dia. If you notice me, I was the one ripping down at the very end, just fist pumping. And you yep. were standing on the side of the road, like doing yep. jumping jacks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, this, this is what it means to run a, a business and love what you do. I mean, I, and I, well, thank you for that. And honestly, I mean, I am very passionate about what we do. And where this is like the pinnacle of it, right? I mean, I deal with a lot of less fun things all day, right? I mean, it's not all testing and product development. And, and I have little chances to interact with consumers and writers. And so naturally when I do, it's, it's the best part of my day, right? I mean, you're not worried about supply chain shortages or long lines and long beach, at the, you know, in customs being three months behind. These are the things that, you know, we, 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 the challenges we try to overcome during the day to day. And so to be able to see people enjoying the bike, it takes me back. I mean, this is why I started this company. This is why I'm in the business. So it's just so easy to be so excited. And I just didn't want to miss a second of it. So yeah, I rented a razor and I was going up the Wasatch wall. <laughs> and then I, I had my car parked in a certain area and I had some people pick me up and drop me off, but I just didn't want to miss a second of it. And uh, it was, it was, it was so worth it. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Um, I can't wait to talk more about Wasatch All Road and kind of do a recap of it. But um, if we want, if we want to go back a little bit and and talk a little bit about the journey of of Ventum, we we just want to we want to hear the development from you and how Ventum came about. And yeah, you know, we're so excited. The Ventum is in our backyard here in Heber city. It makes it so convenient for us to pick up our bikes rather than for shipping. And then to have this new event in our backyard. And, um, you mentioned Barrett earlier. So everyone knows Barrett is their CFO. Another, some, uh, important key individual in, you know, setting the course and, and, and trying and truing. I mean, he is, Oh, he's he is the strongest person I have ever ridden. He he he's the strongest rider I know. I mean, I think he missed his calling. He he was a professional triathlete and the Ironman distance. Well, he started even smaller distances, but then moved up to Ironman. 
And I think he missed his calling because I think he could have been a pro tour rider. There's no doubt about it. Um, he, um, I mean, he works crazy hours and still has some time to train. And he did unbound. I think he finished 20th or 21st at yeah. unbound. Um, obviously he really wanted to do the full and, and, uh, uh he just couldn't i mean there's just so much stuff going on and we just you know obviously we it's more important to get us to have a successful race and a successful result so he did the mini and you know obviously i mean he won it and did very very well and he um but he is he's fantastic he's such an important part of this team and um yeah like i said uh, i mean before we even started recording like uh it's hard to find me without him or him without me at any given time so that's really good yeah those guys even drop off you don't even have to go get your bike sometime. They're like that's right. delivering that's, them to people's we do, houses. We do, you know, and that takes me to the question that you asked me, because I think it's a good one. It's like, why, the why and the how? Um, because if you look at when we started in 2014 is when we incorporated and we actually came to market at the end of 2015, it was a very saturated market. We came in to the triathlon segment and people looked at us and like, what are you doing? It's the smallest market segment of the cycling industry. And it's the most saturated and, and most competitive one. And you're going after a customer base that is used to, you know, just excellence across all their products. I mean, as you guys know, triathletes can be very type A and very meticulous as they should, you know, with their equipment and with the nutrition and with their training plans. And so like why you started the hardest you know, side of this. And reason was at the time, my brother was a professional triathlete. Uh, my significant other at the time was also a professional triathlete. I was surrounded by triathlon and, I just saw a disconnect um, and the disconnect that I saw was both on the product side and uh, on the, the sales side that on the product, I looked at triathlon that had a, is a mass participation sport. It was the second fastest growing sport after golf at the time. Yet no one was making a non-draft legal triathlon specific bike. And that just, I, that didn't, I didn't understand that point. Right. So they would do is, they would take UCI bikes, obviously slap on a TT front end or just have a UCI legal TT bike. Well, why are we following a, you know, a, the cycling federation's governing body that has nothing to do with Ironman? So the UCI, for many reasons we can get into later, they put rules on bikes and weights and tube shapes and ratios and all over the place, right? But that doesn't mean, and that's for, to keep the sport fair, to keep, to, you know, for a whole bunch of reasons. But one of the things it does is it doesn't allow you to make the most aerodynamic dynamic bike possible, right? And so by moving away from their shapes, their tube sizes, their ratios and the rules, you can actually make a much faster bike. But hmm. no one was doing it at the time. And I think the reason they weren't doing it is triathlon prior to that didn't have the mass participation. So it just didn't make fiscal sense. So that's why you just took your TT bike that was UCI illegal and used it. So there we saw kind of that, that opening, and that's where we came in with the Ventum 1, which is our flagship bike, the triathlon bike. It was built from the ground up in the wind tunnel. And you look at it, you know, it looks like a spaceship, but it does not look like your traditional bike. It has no seat stays, it has no down tube. The, uh, the aerofoils are very different. It has a 1.4 liter hydration that's built into a top tube. But we were able to really develop the fastest bike possible for triathletes in the wind tunnel. And then we were able to also think like triathletes, right? So for example, you know, aerodynamics trumps pretty much everything. As long as you don't have like a 50 pound bike, that, that, that statement will be true. And so, but for example, bottles and bottle cages, 
they create drag. So a lot of people were testing these bikes out there naked. So you have a bike in the wind tunnel, nothing on it. I don't know, a single human that could do an Ironman without taking a <laughs> sip of water. But at least the bike section, 112 miles with no sip of water, that, that's hard. And so, so what they were doing, though, they just weren't giving you the real data. They weren't giving you the real stat. Because once you put the bottle cages and bottles on the bike, the bike slowed down significantly. So what we did is we developed a hydration system that, that completes the frame of the bike and allows you to carry you, your, um, your fluids and makes the bike faster. So we're the only bike company in the world till this day where the hydration on the bike makes the bikes faster. So if you could do it without hydration, you would leave the bottle empty. So those are some of the couple of examples of what we were able to do and think of because we didn't come in from the traditional cycling route and thinking about the UCI. So that, that was kind of our humble beginnings in 2015. And then, as you guys know, and you, you mentioned it in the intro, we moved over. We never wanted to stop there. We knew we were going to get some other, um, uh, we're going to enter other market segments. And so the very next one was the, uh, the road sector segments. And that was with the Ventum NS1. The, in some ways, the NS1 is a bit harder uh, to, and challenging to, to bring to market. Um, because we had to play in that UCI sandbox. And so we're looking at the bikes and saying, well, where do we position ourselves? It, it gets a bit more difficult. Where is it going to be our competitive edge? And I think where we settled on, who well, I don't think, I know very well where we settled on, was we looked at the industry. They were doing the traditional round bikes for climbing. They're super light. And then they were doing heavier, more, you know, more aerodynamic bikes for your, your fast flats. And we understood why the industry is doing it, they want you to buy two bikes instead of one. But we really felt that there was a cross-section there that you could make a lightweight aerodynamic bike that will still climb well, but also rip on the flats. And so that's the essence of the Ventum NS1. And it's interesting because both on the, on the, on the triathlon side with the Ventum 1, we, you know, we were kind of pioneers. And then other makers, big, big manufacturers started making what they call non-traditional bike frames. And the P5X is a perfect example of one from Cervelo. And the same thing happened when we kind of pioneered that segment um, on the roadside where it specializes, you know, last bike, which is phenomenal, is, you know, very much speaks to what we just said, which is like this lightweight aero combo, this all-in-one bike. So, you know, it got, it got well received and it quickly actually overtook the sales of triathlon naturally because triathlon is a smaller market, but it did surprise us how quickly that scaled. And then as you guys know, uh, last year in December, we launched the Ventum GS1, which it's hard to pick, you know, for my children, but that might be my favorite bike of them all. <laughs> um, and what we did there is we decided to take all the technology and everything that we've learned from try and road both in the manufacturing and design and implement it in a gravel bike. Gravel is a very fast growing segment. It's the second fastest growing segment after e-bikes. Um, and I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think gravel is going to skyrocket. And it was a little bit of the wild, wild west. People were using mountain bikes. Some were using cross bikes, aluminum frames, carbon frames. And so it was just all, nobody knew what the gear was going to be. So, what we wanted to do is bring, you know, standardize a little bit and bring some, some conformity to the sport and a, and a standard. And both our engineers, like teams, as well as our, our manufacturing teams thought it was overkill. Like we're spending way too much money developing mm -hmm. this lightweight, stiff, carbon, 
aerodynamic gravel bike. Like no one's going to buy this thing. It's like, why are you integrating all the cables? Why is it only 17 pounds? Why are you spending all this money? And at the time is, I, you know, I said, because that's what we do, right? We, we are a high performance racing um, a, a company and that's what we're, we're not going to bring a subpar product. So at the time I was arguing, you know, w- with the team uh, using that argument uh, and also saying like, look, like there are 30 Kansas, 200 miles. There's the XL 350. You're alone. Sometimes like 90% of that race. Well, guess what? Aerodynamics is going to play a role if you're, if you can't hide behind a pack. So, you know, those are some of the arguments. And then really what happened there to be frank is we got very, very lucky because we came out with a product that we like to call performance gravel. Um, and it, it just, and then COVID hit, right. And then you guys know what happened. Uh, all our group rides on the road kind of went away. So you're riding alone. A lot of people didn't feel safe riding alone on the roads and decided to start moving towards gravel, uh, because obviously of fewer or no cars in some situations. And so because that biggest, the biggest market move came from road to gravel, as opposed to say mountain biking to gravel, well, roadies really care about speed, right? <laughs> roadies still want to go fast, right? And, and a mountain biker is maybe a bit more technical, but is probably used to being, you know, going eight, nine miles an hour for the whole day. Yeah. That's not us. And so I think because of all that, and because of the movement came from road to gravel, um, our product was ex- exceptionally well received, right? Because it is performance gravel. And by the way, the aerodynamic penalty between the, road and gravel bike is almost non-existent and so uh, marketing is literally going to ask you to cut this out because what i do is i will (laughs) i when i travel i will take my gravel bike and two sets of wheels one is 31s i put my mvs and i put 31 tires on there and then one is is my gravel 43 setup right or 42 and and that's it and that's all i need now granted again they're going to hate me because that means i'm cannibalizing sales here but the point that I'm making is it's that aerodynamic that I am riding this thing all over the place. I will say the gearing, you know, you have to be careful in your gearing selection if you want to do it all, right? So like my gearing setup for like, say, going to Wasatch all road, uh, it was just kind of like the standard gearing I have on my gravel bike isn't awesome on the road, right? I, I run out of gears right. all the time. But hey, yeah. if you don't want to travel with two bikes, mm-hmm. you can do that and it's perfectly fine. So, so Yeah. So that's what happened, right? And then in 2019, I realized, so I self-funded this, this company from, from inception. And wow. it's, um, it's very, very expensive, it turns out. Yeah. Good thing I didn't know that <laughs> when we started, because I don't think I would have done it. But um, in 2019, like, I became the bottleneck. Like We grow 40% year over year. And I am, I'm becoming the bottleneck. And so I went out and raised some outside capital. And we had, we got some institutional money that came in and the one requirement was they wanted us to move to Utah. Um, I don't know if I could have, if you took out all like the verbiage, I'm not sure I could have pointed to Utah on the map when I was in Miami. Uh, but I was like, sight on scene, yes, signed. And then we moved to Utah and it was the single best decision uh-huh. of my life. Yeah. I absolutely love it here. I, I, I would use an expletive, but I'm, I'm going to refrain, but like, I absolutely love it here. <laughs> yep. It is so good. I mean, the writing is, is second to none. The people are awesome. The views, the vistas, like it's just been great. You know, initially I said to myself, no worries. This is work. This is life. And this is what I do. And I'm passionate about it. I'll just go buy a tiny little condo and 
stay in Heber City Monday through Thursday and then fly, quote unquote, home on Thursday night to Sunday <laughs> into South Beach. Um, I've been here two years. I've been to South Beach once. So. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. That is yeah. su- such a good history. Dia, that's yeah. so fun to hear that. And um, we, are, we are glad that you guys have landed here and that you love it here so much. It's just well, it's awesome. Even- it's even fun to, to hear your story about the gravels because at the, at the time when, when Chip and I would like ask the team, like, Hey, do you need like Ventum has them? Like, yeah. let's go. And then out of the woodwork, just guys are like, let's do it. I want one. Yeah. I need it. And these are guys that have ridden the same old ponies for 10, 12 years. They, they love their, whatever brand yeah. they were. Yeah. And uh, it was so fun to see all these new dudes getting just awesome bikes. So yeah. I love it. I love it. That makes me so happy to hear. No, no, we're ecstatic to be here. We're excited to continue, uh, you know, developing a lot of products here. And, uh, and yeah, you know, we were happy to be able to deliver bikes during the pandemic. Um, you know, we, we have a different model, right? And, and, and that's the thing. I come from a tech background. So my previous life was in tech and IT and telecom. Um, and I think that serves me well because I came in and just decided uh, to do things differently, right? Like I, you know, when we started this conversation, I said like, look, I saw some inefficiencies and some issues on the product side, but also on the sales side, right? And we talked about the product side, but on the sales side, I didn't feel that the price tag of these machines um, and the service you received when purchasing them matched. And let me stop here and say that I do strongly support like independent bike shops. I do. I think they're necessary and they're great. And I think there's some that are exceptional, but there are some that are less than exceptional. Mm -hmm. And so depending on where you go, you may have a good experience or a horrific one. And so one of the things I love to do is I like to, I do it less and less now just because although I'm not known at all in any industry, but in the bicycling industry with hair like this, when I walk in, Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll recognize me, so I can't do it as much as I used to. Maybe I should wear a wig. I don't know. Anyways, long story short, I would go in, and I would secret shop. And I would go up to a $16,000 Trek Madone, and I would say, hey, wow, this is a really nice bike. And there is a 19-year-old or a teenager who was on summer break from college who is assisting me, and he goes, oh, yeah, oh, oh, this is fast. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And then I will point to a specialized shiv just completely different bike and i'm like what about this one and he's like oh my god this one is so fast <laughs> and you know and i'm like saying that i'm like i'm about to drop fifteen thousand or sixteen thousand dollars <laughs> you know I, I i consider us we we are selling lamborghinis and ferraris like do you imagine going to a ferrari dealership and have a kid that tell you like dude bro this is so fast so like fast, that doesn't bro. yeah <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense right and so when I was looking at that, you know, that was an inefficiency. I was like, we, we, can't, we can't do this. We got we to gotta hold the entire ecosystem, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to know your customer, right? P- like special, traditional, you know, distributed right, the routes, they don't know their customer. They know their dealer. That's where it stops. Specialized, and I'm not picking on them, but like, or Cannondale, whoever you wanted to pick, they don't know the customer. They know their bike shop. But then how do you know your customers and how do you know what's good, what's bad? Where's the feedback coming from? It's always coming from your dealer. It could be a good dealer. It could be a really bad dealer. It's, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot, right? And so that, that to me didn't sit well, right? And then the other thing, the last thing that didn't sit well 
is accountability. It's happened to me. I'm sure you know someone has happened to, or maybe it happened to you as well, where you have, well, actually, I'll tell you, I had a, I, this was in 2010. I won't tell you the manufacturer, but um, the rear derailleur hanger did not do its job, which is to break, right? Your, the hangers are soft on purpose. Yeah, they can bend easily and should always carry a spare, especially when you're traveling or put in the car. But the point of them being soft and breaking off is so that they can save your frame which is very expensive, or and or save your rear derailleur, which is also probably the most expensive part of your componentry, right? So they, that's their job. Well, my rear derailleur didn't break, and instead it broke um, the the chainstay, it cracked the chainstay yeah. and seat stay right where it is, right? Mm -hmm. Unrideable. I'll, I'll cut the story a little short, but essentially the result was I went to the dealer, the dealer blamed the manufacturer, the manufacturer blamed the dealer. And 12 weeks later, I didn't have a bike to ride. Right. And I'd spent thousands and thousands of dollars. That's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. So because I hold or we hold the entire ecosystem, right? There's only one person to blame. It's me. And by the way, we're not perfect, right? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that we haven't had any warranty issues. Of course we do. That's normal, right? Uh, as long as they're under a certain level, it's normal. So, so now, you know, something happens. I deal with it and it's on me and I can deal and I can react quickly. Right. Um, so, and you know, you had mentioned it on the delivery side, you know, being a, a direct to consumer brand, some people get a little uh, intimidated by receiving a bike on a box. There is a certain German manufacturer that delivers in boxes that has somewhat a reputation of being hard to, uh, to put together if you don't know what you're doing. So we're very aware of that. And so we, the way we solve that pain point, is that we deliver our bikes in two ways. Now, you guys have a very unique situation that you're down the road <laughs> and you can come and pick them up. But if you didn't, we have two ways of doing it. One is that we have a van system that covers 80% of America. And we literally fully assemble your bike. We'll seat your tires. We'll do everything. Wow. And then we'll come to your house. We will adjust your saddle height. We'll help you move your pedals. If you have an existing bike that you need the pedals moved over, that's the kind of service I believe you should, anyone should expect when buying anything on, in, that, in that price range, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one way. The other way, unfortunately, there's some areas in Montana, uh, some areas of Texas we just can't get to. It's just not, it's not scalable yet. And what we do there is we have a ride-ready box. That's enormous. And, you know, Barry Brandon could sleep in it. That's how big this thing is. <laughs> but the beauty about it is that the bike comes fully assembled. Handlebars on, handlebar tape, rear derailleur on, this chain is on. Uh, your wheels sit on both sides, seated. And all you got to do is put your wheels together and go. I mean, I can do it in five minutes. So a first time we would do it in 10. So, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, a brief history and a brief kind of a summary of, of the how, the wow, where we came from, what we're doing. And I truly believe a lot of the stuff I'm able to do because I didn't come from the industry. Right. It's just so easy to keep doing the same thing, especially if it's working financially. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But just because it's working financially doesn't necessarily mean it's working for the consumer. Hmm. Well, the, the consumers on our side have been really excited about idea. Um, and when accomplishing, when, when finishing the Wasatch all road, um, yeah. I mean, they were, you, you really create a lifer out of the one using that bike because it was so hard. That event it's, is, is hard. And it, it so is, could you tell is. us, did Jeff, we, we know 
all the locals here would know Jeff Louder, and everyone's kind of getting to know um, Barrett, who's your your right hand man there, who has been riding that course like yeah for the last couple of years while being up there, and some at some point one of them likely Barrett was like, okay, this is perfect. A hundred miles over 12,000 vertical feet. Um, <laughs> and, th- and this is perfect. Let's roll. Let's roll with this. And I told Barrett on the course out there one Saturday when I was up there, I said, I said, Barrett, the person like you that this is like, I got to tell you, Barrett, I'm a pretty strong guy and this is so hard. Uh, it might not be hard for you. Maybe you're the wrong guy to be designing a, a course like this. Um, so you know, what is your, what's your feedback on um, just the designing of the Wasatch All Road by itself? No, that, that, that's a great, great question. So it's meant to be hard, right? And I think, I mean, this is subjective, but I, given the distance and the mileage, this should be the hardest gravel race in America. And that's kind of how we designed okay. it. And, and, okay. and, you know, I mean, like, think about it. You said nine and a half hours. I mean, you're talking like Ironman time on your feet, right? Or not mm-hmm. feet, but I guess pedaling on the bike, right? So that's what we wanted to do. It The, 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 the success and, and, and what you should be proud of isn't the time. It's finishing it, right? right? And so that should have been the goal. Not like, oh, I hope I have a good day out there. It's like, no, if I finish this thing, then I did it. I win. I'm, and that's kind of how the mindset came to. And also, I mean, it's funny because a lot of people understood that. I think some, mostly my friends that came out of DC, because that's where I'm originally from, um, who like literally wanted to ride road bikes. I'm like, guys, w- w- what are you doing here? Like, this is, you're at altitude. You know, I think some people underestimated the course, um, but no one, I mean, the, 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 the feedback that we've gotten is so, so positive. It's so positive. Like, all the people that, that finished it, um, you know, felt like it was such an achievement and it is such an achievement. So, so we're, you know, we, we definitely wanted to make it hard. I think we accomplished that goal. I think that the people that finished it were extremely excited, proud of their accomplishments. I think the people that didn't, I was worried that a lot of people would be upset, but the vast majority is saying I'm coming back next year and I'm going to finish it. And I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is not, you know, uh, they're, um, other races that will give you, you know, gravel that almost feels like road for the whole time. That is not that kind of race. This will truly, truly test you. So. And Dia, are you guys, I mean, is there, so plans for next year, it's moving 100%. forward, like vision for the, okay. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I've been sworn to secrecy, you know, we're going to make some, some, some changes that have been sworn to secrecy. So I'll just tell you, but just between the three well, of us, dude. You already so, you already burned the marketing department. Let's yeah, I know, I know. Let me. You know, you know, I, I, I'm okay with the marketing department being upset at me, but Barrett, that 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 changes things around a little okay. bit. So I will okay. tread lightly. Okay. But what I will say is, it will definitely be bigger next year. I mean, for a first year event, we're we're very happy with how it turned out. But we will hopefully COVID dependent. It should be probably twice the number of riders. We're also going to introduce a middle distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now you have the mini Yeti, which is the 35 miler or the full, which is the hundred. We're going to introduce a third distance that will probably be roughly between 70 and 75 miles. Yep. Um, nice. which I think, you know, I think it will appeal to a lot of people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, especially for the folks that did the 35, which was challenging. And if it was especially challenging for them, 
I think that's quite a leap to go from the 35 if it was if it pushed you to the 100. Yes. But maybe that 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 middle step um, I think is warranted. So so that that I'll, I'll give you that. I don't I, he can't get mad at me no, for that. Yeah. That yeah. I I would even say that people would almost anticipate that like cuz yeah. many after you go down to strawberry and then you come back up you're like okay, I think that is all I can handle. Um, to go down yeah. that third section down into Mill Hollow, it's like, uh, and here's what's really cool. This is for every everyone listen, and for the organizers, I think this is so cool. Um, it the the gravel gets better on each climb and mm-hmm. descent. So the very first one is is the Wasatch Wall. It's the hardest. The second one is strawberry. The gravel gets a little bit better, but it is a long climb, but the gravel is a little bit better. The third one, when you're coming up Mill Hollow, it's like that road gravel that Dia was talking about earlier. It's like Mm -hmm. a little smoother. So, you know, at least it gets better. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine if you did the other way around? No. (laughs) Impossible. No way. That's no it. one, no one would show up. No, I can promise that, you that. I, I, I would wear hiking boots and and pack my bike with on my back with the with the little um, ticket that scans every time I go past a passing point. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I'd run it. Um, oh so, man! You know what was so cool, Dia? Also, was um, the that Ventum is able to host this in in your. Uh, HQ in your in your office there in the parking lot and then you have this huge field for the parking and for the finish line it's like what a way to introduce Ventum to Utah by hosting the toughest gravel race in at your facility yeah no we were exact we were very lucky to be able to do that and and, uh, you know I think that's probably one of the best ways to connect with the community right because, and by the way, I don't even mean the athletic community. I mean the complete community. We had to work with different counties and cities and volunteers. And it's amazing. Like, I mean, we want to come here and make a difference and make an impact, of course, through sports, but also, you know, for the entire economy. And so, you know, that's kind of one of the uh, things that I'm a bit of a stickler about is, is if you're going to come in, assimilate and help. And, and that was one way for us to assimilate and help, right? I mean, we probably sold out all the hotel rooms in Heber city and, 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 and those sort of things, the restaurants probably got an uptick. So, so it, it does, it checks a lot of the boxes. Mm-hmm. That's really my fit. Cool. My fit. My only request, whatever yes, they tell me, we got, we got to get Lance next year. We got to bring him in. <laughs> oh, well he almost came. Um, I oh. didn't push him too hard. Um, I could make that happen. I, I you know, what? <laughs> I, I'll say it on this podcast. He will be at the race next year. Yeah. It was, Probably my favorite thing from his move podcast was it was one of those early days when he was talking about Ventum and he was so excited. And then I don't know who gave him his script, but he was like, located in the Yunta Mountains of, uh, of Utah. And I was like, <laughs> the, the Yunta Mountains? I was like, oh, That's man. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, look, I, I always tread very carefully when I, when I speak about him. I, I, he's a dear friend of mine, you know, and obviously I just, you know, I want to make sure that I understand people have different positions on, on, you know, his past and whatnot, but, uh, but I would love for him to come next year. It would oh, be fantastic. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. How, oh, yeah. So, so you, so you guys knew each other before this, uh, did you know? 
Yeah, yeah. No, I've known him uh, for about 10 years now. Um, or at least I cool. met him about 10 years ago, so prior to, to that. And then it was, um, you know, his, his adoption of Bentham was extremely organic. Um, hmm. So essentially, um, he, you know, we were coming out with the NS1. And I said, hey, LA, I'd love to send you this bike and get your honest feedback. And I don't know if you guys know him pretty well or not, but he's extremely harsh. Like, he will tell you how he feels. Hmm. And so he says, Dia, are you sure? And he mentions a big brand. He goes, just sent me a bike. I returned it. It's, you know, expletive. And then this other bike company also sent me uh, this bike. I, it was the worst thing ever. He's like, you sure you want me to do this? Because I will destroy it. I was like, oh, boy. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so we sent him the NS1. It was literally just murdered out. No logos, nothing. It's just like one, like right off the bolt. So we sent it to him, kind of explained to him the ethos of it and whatnot. And I didn't hear a thing from him for two weeks. And I'm just like, oh, man, this isn't good. I'm thinking about the future. And this. And one day I just got a selfie of him on the, on the bike. And, he said, and it says, it's good. It's effing good. And that's all. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, his favorite bike now is the GS1. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He loves that thing. So we sent him one earlier this season. And he did a, like, uh, I forgot which gravel race, somewhere in Aspen, like a 72 mile oh, race. Yeah. First time on the, yeah. yeah. And he won the race. Yeah. And of course, it's because of the bike, right? It has nothing to do with his uh, legs. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so now, yeah. So, the, you know, the partnership is, is very organic. Um, it, it's really nice to see him uh, back us. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'm, it's I, so I'm, cool. I'm very happy. Yeah. Nice. So cool. That's rad. Great, great story. Yeah. Very cool. That is a strong, um, partner and ambassador of your product and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I, I mean i follow i follow him and i look at at the bike and sometimes he's got some custom paint jobs on the yeah. it's like man this is really cool to see this happening that because you we're, we're cheering for we're cheering for you dia here as a local business and then watching lance armstrong and ride it and crush it on it it's so cool so fun. yeah it really is it's it's been amazing and honestly it's been, it's been amazing also for the brand so uh you know he is still the greatest and most influential cyclist yeah. so yeah yeah we i agree what another partner um so everyone here listening would agree that uh, your wheel set is you know the next in some cases around here it's like the most important part of of your ride and, uh -huh. and you link up with envy, envy. Um, and so this this build together is just like what you were saying earlier is that many gravel bikes you know if you go back a couple years and you had bought a gravel bike anyone would agree with me that you had to completely customize your group set no gravel yeah. bike was coming into the market with like a a 40 in the front and a 52 in the back, which is, Correct. you know, now considered the mullet and yep. no one was doing that. And I was yep. like, no, I want to take my gravel bike where I mountain bike because the terrain is good enough. I can get there on the cement. I can get there faster. I can ride it with this gearing. If I put that gearing on You're you're crazy to put that gearing on. No, I'm <laughs> telling you, I need this gearing yeah. on this bike. And now, and, and so Ventum's off the shelf comes with like the option for the mullet. And yep. it's like, of course I want it big in the back and like a 40 in the front. And, 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 and you so know good. what? 
Thank you. And you know what? That is a direct result of exactly what we were talking about. When on the triathlon side, side, the bike was made by triathletes. On the gravel side, from, you know, from production to choice of spec, it, we, we lean on so many experts. And I mean experts not as in like a scientist with a lab coat. I'm talking like true gravel riders that have done exactly what you said. You, you know. So why? It's nonsensical. Why would I do something where I'm going to force somebody to spend more money to switch out their, their specs when they get a brand new bike? Why don't we spec it exactly like they want, right? And, and that's, again, one of the advantages of us being direct consumer and being assembled, delivered, and finished everything in Utah is that we can spec. I mean, I think across all bikes, we have 60,000 different combinations. So we can afford that as opposed to, say, um, Asian manufacturing and, and assembly where they assemble, you know, whatever happens there, it gets, it gets assembled there and it comes over in that way. You can't really change it. Right. And so that's one of the advantages that we have, but again, you got to listen to the market. You got to listen to the experts that are on quote unquote on the field. And, and that's why we do that. And then as for envy, I mean, I mean, that's like one of my favorite brands in the world. I, I think mm-hmm. they do such a good job. Um, I love the fact that they're up the road from us in Ogden and, yeah. and honestly, I think we should just team up and take over the world, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Well, it when you when you get when you review like your ambassadors and those riding in with Lance and George, and then you've got the other products like Envy on the uh, as your as your wheel type. It's like it's definitely the complete package. So props to you, Dia, for putting it all together. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be honest with you guys. It has not been easy during COVID and the supply chain that I guess I think we should probably touch on where, I mean, it's getting worse and worse. Um, we were lucky last year that we, you know, when COVID hit, Utah was a bit more um, open with businesses, not so much retail, but we were allowed to come to work. We were allowed to assemble bikes. Uh, we were allowed to ship them out. So it's interesting because 2020, we would get all this feedback. Like, I cannot believe you were able to get me my bike. That's crazy. My bar is closed. My restaurant's closed. I don't see it. But you guys were able to, to deliver the bike. So I think we pleasantly surprised a lot of people. Um, this yep. year, I think it plays against us a little bit where, I mean, you, I'm sure you understand the situation where there's absolutely no components from Shimano, SRAM. Our lead times went from days to years. And then there's one part and one vendor that's 591 days out. So if I put an order in today, I get in fact, I don't even know if that model will exist in 591 days, let alone, right? And unfortunately, there are 46, depending on the bikes, but 46 different parts that go on it, sometimes come from 30 different vendors. So if one vendor is off, I can't do anything, right? And so, you know, this year, the supply chain has really been disrupted. And now we're still able to fulfill bikes. We have slowed down a little bit. That, that's 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 truthful. We're still not as bad as the big boys who are taking orders for 2023. Um, and the reason we're still able to fulfill is what I mentioned earlier is our inventory is on the shelf and it's put on the bike when the order comes as opposed to it being assembled in Asia. Uh, and then it comes, you know, and it's tied to a bike. And if I need that componentry for a gravel bike, well, I can't use it. It's on a, it's on a road bike. So we're able to use our inventory a little bit more efficiently. Uh, but, there is a raw material shortage of rubber, steel, alloy, you name it. Um, there's a global container shortage from Asia. The, contain- the, uh, the ports are overwhelmed. Long Beach, which is what we use in California, has never seen anything like this since it was built. And so they used to be able to clear 
a container the same day. So it arrives on Tuesday morning. That thing's on a truck coming to us on Tuesday afternoon. The last container took three months to clear. That's how backlogged they are, right? And again, if you've got derailleurs sitting there or a fork or a stem or bar tape, you know, uh, and then another way that we, we've been able to fulfill bikes when others haven't is that, you know, we are direct consumer, which means I'm not giving a big margin to a dealer. So I'm okay going onto the market and buying things at retail to deliver mm. a bike. We, we're doing that all the time. We're buying tires at retail. We're buying tubes at retail. We're buying uh, uh, just everything you can think of bar tape at retail. I mean, that's just the nature of it. Sometimes we need to like, like Shimano doesn't have say or, or SRAM. This is actually a real example. Is out of SRAM red shifters. So we're buying them at retail. It hurts our margin, but we're able to do that and still deliver bikes and still make people happy. Hmm. Now, the one part I said that it plays against us is that the supply chain, and I guess the whole bike industry, really, the supply chain today is way, way, way worse than it was a year ago. Uh-huh. But customer sentiment isn't where it was a year ago. A year ago, they were just thankful that we were able to bring a bike. But now it's mm-hmm. back to life as usual. And so there is a bit of, um, you know, and I understand it, you know, a lack of patience. It's like, well, Amazon's delivering things next day. Like everything's fine. Like, why can't you get your act together? Um, is <laughs> I think what the bike industry is, is facing and is about to face because usually supply chain issues don't happen immediately. They take 12, 18 months to really, uh, you know, peak. And I, I think we're at that peak. So, dang. You know, what's interesting, Dia, is uh, we've seen it on your social media. Uh, you have you've consistently said that you're trying to spread happiness on bikes. Yes. And it's it's interesting to hear you say that you're willing to go buy that stuff. I mean, that yeah. is like living, you know, living your mission. Um, yeah. Has that kind of become the adopted theme of your culture? Is that like what you say to your well, employees? Or I, You know, my employees would, would say something a little different where, you know, I start every meeting the same way. I mean, everybody can regurgitate what I'm about to say. I say, hello, welcome to Tuesday morning, all hands on deck meeting. Just want to remind everyone, we're not a bike company that has a customer service department. We're a customer service company that today happens to be selling bikes. And that's really <laughs> the pillar, right? And, and, and that's because that's what's going to also separate ourselves from the others, right? Is customer service. I would be foolish to sit here and tell you our bikes are way, way superior than specialized or, you know, Somebody who's done it, that's silly, right? We all make very, we're all, it's like we're Lamborghinis and Ferraris. They have different, you know, different ethos and different, different strategies on how they come to market and what they focus on. But you can't tell me that a Ferrari is awful and Lamborghini is great or vice versa. Same thing. So you got to find your way to you know, kind of also separate yourself from there. And so I, we really, really pride ourselves on the customer service um, and hope to continue as we scale and to continue providing that customer service and that extra mile, right? Whether it's buying stuff at retail or, you know, I've, I've, I've flown to Mexico to, to, to hand over a rear derailleur hanger for a professional athlete because mm-hmm. they broke theirs the day before the race, stuff like that. So nice. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Any, uh, as we, I kind of, as we wrap up the team asking about, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> wow. well, you know, what before, before we wrap, I, you know what we usually do ask everybody, though? Um, any advice, like there are a lot of young guys on, the, on this team, um, and you've been in this industry a lot. Any advice for just personal advice you would give out to a, a new cyclist or any cyclist just in general? To, to be a better cyclist or to be a better person? No. Or to be a better, yeah, better, better person, better person. 
It's going to sound super cheesy, but I'm going to say it. Bet on yourself, <laughs> believe in yourself. I can't tell you how hard it can be to, to start a, um, you know, a bike business, uh, especially when you're small and people are going to dismiss you. People are going to say some, you know, tell you to quit before you start. People are like, there's no way you're going to be able to compete with the big boys. These are billion dollar companies. What are you bringing to the table? What's your background? Where's your engineering? Like, so all this stuff, all this nonsense, and it really, sometimes it does get to me. I'll be honest. Like I, I'm, I'm not bulletproof, but if you believe in yourself, you continue to do what you think is right. And by the way, that, I mean, this is for business, but it's also for, I'll give you a perfect example, actually, for my sports life. When I'm excited about something, I perform better at it. When I truly believe I can go up that Wasatch wall, I crush it. And the days that I'm like literally doubting myself for no other reason than laziness or lack of focus or whatever, I sometimes don't make it up. Hmm. I'm the same athlete, right? I'm not sick. I'm not, you know, it's just why. So it, it's the mindset that you put yourself in. Put yourself in a successful mindset, mindset, no matter what, you will be successful. Whether it's a business, if it's on the bike, or whether it's in school, whatever you want to apply that to. Dang, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Any big, uh, yeah. can you can you release any big secrets uh, for what the future holds? Any uh, yeah, mountain bikes on the uh, Let's just piss off R&D. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's what I'll say. Um, we are really, you know, we, we've announced it, but we are releasing our Ventum one disc, uh, new Ventum one, which is our TT bike that will debut in St. George 7.3 on September 16th, I believe is the race. So that will be our very big, um, next release. Um, but one thing I will promise, um, we will always stay at the leading edge of innovation. Right. And so, we are not interested in being deaf to the market demands and just holding on to product lines just to hold on to them. Right. We got to innovate. I mean, you had mentioned it earlier about the mullet, right? You know, I'm like, so we'll always be in tune. So if we need, if we need to make changes, or if we need to innovate quickly, we always will. That's just my way of telling you that, you know, we, we're not going to be an Apple iPhone, you know, where you, a new version comes out every year, but we are going to be innovating and consistently making ourselves better. And, and yes, I mean, we want to, we want to enter more segments, right. But, but let's make sure we do it right. And let's make sure that we, we finish our jobs in the current market segments first. Right. Um, I could give you a pretty crazy stat that would, that Ventum today holds 0.07% of the market in road gravel and triathlon 0.07%. So there's a lot of work mm. to be there. Right. And so mm. I do want to make sure I want to focus and introduce the brand to as many people as you can and to really grow those market segments before we start just jumping in mountain and e-bike and all the, the natural uh, other uh, verticals that we should be getting into. Very cool. Yeah. Can't, we yeah. can't wait. Me Dwelle yeah. will be Me there. Me too. Ah, yeah. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> right. nice. So cool. Well, Chip, anything else? Yeah, Dia, just thanks uh, from our whole team for the support that we've had through 2021. We've been thrilled to have the product we've been thrilled with the service that you've mentioned we were so stoked on the wasatch all road so just thanks for making it a great year for utah cyclists and for our team all together just when i thought he wasn't going to be able to beat that intro he he, he brings out this <laughs> outro my god thank you guys are you kidding me i mean i'm the one who's thanking you guys and 
for all your support. Like, again, talk about being part of the community. I don't think we could have done it without you guys. So, so thank you for facilitating, facilitating that. And thank you for trusting us and, and continuing to support us. We'll, we'll, we'll do the same. There's no doubt. Uh, awesome. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, man. Let's, again. let's go ride that wall soon. That's right. All right. Hey, Thanks again for having me on. You bet, man. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. See you later. See you. Bye-bye.